56B2 in the bottom of the right-hand column. So we are continuing with our dream series, and we're going to learn today about many more images that one might dream about and the correct interpretation, the correct association that we should make, which will then guarantee that that image will be brought down in a positive, in a revealed positive way, says Rabbi Hanina that Horoya Be'er Bechaloim, someone who sees a well in a dream, they should know that Roya Shaloim, they are seeing peace. Shemer as it says that vayach bru avde yitzchak banochal vayim tsuusham be'er ma'im chayim that the story that the Torah relates that all of the wells that Avraham Avinu dug they were covered up with dirt just to understand that event the wells that we are referring to were both wells that hit living spring waters and also as as it is the custom that people who live in areas where there's a lack of natural water that when you are able to, you dig holes in the ground and you fill them up with water. Even though the water is not replenishing itself, but like this, a passerby will have water to drink from. So those wells were covered up by the uh, jealous local citizens. And Yitzchak came ahead and Yitzchak re-dug them. And initially there was a lot of pushback. And this is so amazing how throughout history, the Jewish people, the descendants of Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, were, were doing things in the world to benefit mankind, and the jealousy and hatred that the nations have towards the Jewish people as such is that they don't care, even if they, so to say, ruin the waters that we are offering for the worlds. They would rather die of thirst. So that already played itself out from the beginning. And ultimately it says that when he dug a well, not a well that was only a water reservoir, but when he dug a well and he hit living spring waters under the ground, there is where they stopped fighting. They stopped fighting with Yitzchak. So that's the source that a well is connected to peace. The worrying stopped. Furthermore, Abnasan says that another symbolism associated to a well, that if a person dreams and they see a well in their dream, so that means that they will find Torah. Now, this is a very important statement. Finding Torah. What does finding Torah mean? Learning Torah should be a choice. If you choose to learn, then you'll have Torah. If you choose not to learn, then you won't have Torah. Finding Torah means, and this is something that we see so much nowadays, is that now we're living at a time that many people, a lot more than before, are learning Torah. And they're learning Torah relatively uh, a lot. Hearing a class here, learning over there. Yet... Many people can spend many hours learning Torah, but they're not getting the soul of the Torah. There's something within the Torah that is remaining concealed from the person. And you can, you, can, you can see that on the one who is learning. Sometimes, sadly, a person can take a learn. They can learn, they, they can be in Koyal, they can learn day and night. But the person is the same coarse person. That, that cannot be. That only happened because in spite of the fact that someone was taka learning a lot of Torah, they're not finding it. They're not finding the God in the Torah. They're finding only the wisdom in the Torah. And that's pathetic. That's never enough. But anyways, coming back over here. Um, so a well is a symbol of Torah. And this is as it says in a Pasik that kol moitsoi matzachayim, whoever finds me is finding life. And it says over here, be'er mayim chayim, 
Chayim Chayim, so we have this juxtaposition, so now we have a well both being peace and a well being Torah. And Rava says that if you dream that you saw a well using the same verse, it's not shot that you're going to find the Torah, but it means Chayim Amish, that a well symbolizes life, and dreaming of a well is a way of one being notified that they will have life. Now, whatever that means, they are alive already. They're going to have a longer life. They're going to have a healthier life. They were granted more years to life. You know, being granted more years to life is the opposite side of the coin. That in as much as every person who was born has a predetermined amount of time that they are going to be here in this world. But we either through our own merits, through the merits of the community, through the merits of a tzaddik, through the merits of our forefathers, or God forbid, through certain terrible choices that one might make. A person can add to one's life and a person can subtract from one's life. So it's not that fixed. It's fixed, but it's not fixed. And and a well and a well and a water symbolizes life. It's amazing that in today's Hayyim Yoyim, today we're learning this on the um, 21st day of the month of Teves, so we have this famous saying that if you encounter water, the, the way people encountered water in the days of old is that they used to be water carriers. It was a parnasa. They were the ones that went to the well. They went to the river. They were the ones that schlepped the water to your home. So if you encounter one, you should say that the Baal Shem Tov says that whoever encounters water, that person is, it's a good simon. Let me get the exact wording is in the Hayyim Yoyim which is something important that we should review, that we should say it whenever we encounter water. Here in LA, you can say this whenever there's rain, which is also something that's not expected, something that's unusual. When there's a flood, this is what we should say, how water is a simen bracha. Let me get the white words. It's a simen bracha. That when we, when we encounter water, we should say that the Baal Shem Tov says that when you encounter water, we should say the Baal Shem Tov says that this is a sign of blessing. So here we have something very similar to what we're learning. So a well has all of these three symbolisms. It's the symbol of peace. It's a symbol of Torah, which means the godliness in the Torah. And it's a simon of life itself. So now that we also mentioned that a well is a symbol of shalom, of peace. I know many of you might have heard the following statement. There's a book named by it. Amar says that that there are three different visuals that one might see in a dream, and all of them are foretelling peace. And what are the what are the three symbolisms of peace? Nahar, Sipaid, Ukedera, a river, a bird, and a kettle. I don't know if you guys are familiar with, but at least I'm going back, I think, to the 80s or to the 90s when I was in yeshiva. There was a fantastic book called A River, A Bird, and a Kettle. It was one of the earlier English Shalom Ba'is books that many chasanim would get. Maybe many Kalas got it as well. Um, Rabbi, what was the third one? You said a kettle? Yes. Or kettle? Kettle, kettle. A kettle, like a, like a kettle of water? In other words, a pot, a pot, but not a pot that's used to cook meat, a pot that's used to cook water. Okay, got it. Now, let me just share some chasidus into this concept. A river, a bird, and a kettle. There are three levels of a connection between a husband and a wife, according to Torah. And and these three, going from the beginning, from the initiate, from the lowest level to the highest level, there is what we call a relationship. 
Then you have togetherness. And then you have oneness. And what does that mean? So the Sefer Yitzira begins by dividing all of reality into three categories. Obviously, they all overlap one the other. But there are three dimensions, there are three parts, there are three levels in all of reality. One is Oilam, which is space. The other one is Shana. Shana is year, time, space-time. And the third is Nefesh, soul. So we are a soul that is within time and space. Oilam, Shana, Nefesh. The Rosh Tevis is the word Ashan. Ashan is smoke. And indeed, one of the earlier forms, one of the earlier methods of having a visual meditation, which means that when people would meditate, there are different techniques of basically tuning out of everything else because you're focusing on one specific thing. And uh, what, what the trader uses is either a candle, a fire of a candle, and parenthetically, the fire of the candle has, has its own advantages because we are not for very lengthy meditative sessions because the goal for a Jew in meditating, if one is going to meditate, is not to go up there, but it's really to go up in order to come back down here, more relaxed, more refreshed, more focused, more connected to God, to bring all of that in this world. In other words, we're not going up because the goal is to go up. We're going up in order to come back down better. And when people whose goal is to go up, then the longer you meditate, the better. If the goal is to come back down, is then they don't spend too much time up there is in the heavens. And one of the ways to make sure that you don't get completely, you don't space out, as we say, that you don't go on a real trip, is by using, if you're using a visual, unlike the Goyim, that they would use stones, and then that this is the origin, one of the origins of Avaidazara. Why do you think the Goyim would bow down to these stones? No, they were not cavemen that thought that the stone created the world. Is that if you use a specific item as your as your springboard to get your mind into a very deep meditative state, then it's amazing that if you use, let's say, this pen. Um, it might take you two or three hours to get into wherever you want to get the first time around. But if you use the same pen again, because of your familiarity with it, it's going to get you there a lot quicker. So the Dafka would use the same items, and they would have items that don't change because they would want to go into meditative states for a very long amount of time. Because the Goyim, unlike the Eden, erroneously think that the goal is to become spiritualized, the goal is to go to the next world. That manifests in so many areas, including that when Christianity came on the scene thousands of years later, basically that is what they believe in. They, 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 you know, it's about being poor over here. It's about the kingdom of heaven, and uh, which is the opposite, 180 from Yiddishkeit. The goal of Yiddishkeit is to bring God here. No, we're not living to go to Ganeiden. These are Christian um, and ultimately pagan ideas. So they would use stones and then they would venerate them. They would they would worship them. They would worship them because those stones gave them the ability to get very far up spiritually very quick. Yidin would either use a candle. The, uh, the myla, the advantage of a candle is that the candle has a shelf life. How much fuel do you put into it? You know. So if you know that it's not good for you to be in that trance for more than a half an hour, you know. So get those Hanukkah candles, and in a half an hour that will go by, boom, the candle is out anyways. Or use it hour candle, v'chulei. But there is another interesting visual Jewish technique for meditating, and that is, and that is smoke. 
One of the reasons why many of the tzaddikim you read about, they would smoke a pipe on Soi Shabbos, not the way the foolish people think that they would put some sort of a drug in there. No, they didn't need that. And it's not healthy. No, they would not put chashish in it. They would, they would, they would smoke tobacco. But the, the Baal Shem Tev would smoke a pipe Matzah Shabbos because he would look at the smoke. And looking at the smoke is, is kind of amazing. If you really focus on smoke, it's like staring at the clouds because there is a form and a shape to them and then there's not. And they're constantly changing. And it's like a medium between Gashmi and Ruchni. You can see it, but it's not that tangible. Go grab smoke. So Ashan is like a medium that connects this world to the next world. For example, when God came to Har Sinai, so it says that one of the uh, manifestations, Begashmias, is that the whole mountain was up in smoke. Because when we looked up to Har Sinai, while we were hearing Daseras Adibris, what we saw was smoke, Ashan. So the Sefer Yitzhida writes that Ashan also encompasses all of reality. All of reality, not only physical reality, Ashan is Oilam Shan of Anefesh, space, time, and soul. Now, when two people are having a relationship and the goal of peace, peace is only a needed, um, tremendously needed place to be in when there are two, which could be in conflict, and therefore there has to be the Shalom. When there's only one, when God is only God, or when a person is all by themselves, then they're not in a peaceful state. They're by themselves. There's just a lack of other. Peace means that there is another. And then there is a, the first step is there is a relationship. And it has to be a peaceful one that connects two, uh, two separate entities. Now the first madrega of a relationship is figuring out how not to go too much into the other person's space. And on the other hand, how not to retract to the point where there is no relationship. Again, when there's no relationship, there's no there's no fighting, but that's not called peace. That's just an absence of the other. So we have to first figure out how to share space much deeper than that. Much deeper than that is once people learn how to live together, how to share their space together, how to align their space together, how to mesh their space together, then the same thing has to happen on the, on, on the madrega of, of time, and the, 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 when a person learns the concept of time, the way, it's, the way Hasidus explains it, is that there are times in the month that the couple physically could be together. There are times in the month that the couple cannot be together. And when a, there is a relationship in which they learn how to share their time together, what happens then is that the Gashmi becomes very not important and it really does not affect their closeness at all, whether they can physically, whether the space is shared or not, they are, they are connected on a much higher madrega. That's the connection of Zman. And then there is the ultimate oneness where two people can taka somehow, sometimes become fully one. And that is only something that is that one could on the level of neshama, of the nefesh, and a person has to be very spiritualized, or the couple has to be very spiritual, not only to be together, but to become one. And that's the oil of Shana Vanefesh. And there are many that connect these three levels to these three pieces, to the river and to the and to the bird and to the kettle. But we're going here in the opposite direction. Now, a kettle 
A, a kettle is amazing. You have in the world different koiches. You have in the world different powers. And some of them are enemies, or some of them are opposites. For example, Beruchnius, if one wants to give the most down-to-earth example of two opposite forces, Chesed and Gevura. And these two manifest physically by fire and water. Water is Chesed and fire is Gevura. And they cannot live together. If you put them together, one of the two will happen. Either the water will put out the fire, or the fire will make the water evaporate. Yet, when you have a proper boundary that keeps them apart, but not apart where one is in one room, one is in the other room. So again, they're not waging war because they're not shy to each other. No, put water in a kettle and put the kettle on the fire. Here, they're going to figure out how to work in harmony that not only will one not put out the other, not evaporate the other, but the koyach of the fire will go into the water and you're going to have a hot cup of tea and you're going to boil up the water. You're going to bring the fire into the water. That means that you, that's the first madrega and that's the great metaphor of shalom. That, that the reason why there's so much conflict is because People are different, and not only are people different, but there are some things in us that are the opposite of some things in the other. And peace would, so the easy peace, the dumb peace would be just to completely separate, and then there's no conflict. The chachma of the kettle is that we know that there has to be a way how to figure out how to be in the same space. in this, And even in the same space, how and when, dafka when, when we learn how to place healthy boundaries, then we can have opposites that can not only live together in harmony, but they can actually complement one another, which is really the concept of peace. That's the concept of a kettle. The concept of a bird is a much higher level of oneness. And as the Torah tells us, the same concept of two opposites, a much more subtle two opposites are creatures of the land and creatures of the heaven. Or to word it differently, creatures of the land and creatures in the water. Right, we have so much of this in Hasidus. Alma Galia va Alma Cassia. You have creations of the revealed world, which are which which are all of the creatures, including people that live on the land, and then you have all of the beings that live in the water, and they are, as Hasidus points out, they are living in their source. No, it's the the fish when God made the fish during the six days of creation. The physical fish came out of the water. The water became fish. The land became behemoths, the land became people. But there's a huge difference, and that is, is that animals and people, we don't live in our source. We live above our source. Really, we don't even need the land. We can go live on the moon. We need oxygen. We need oxygen. We don't need the land. The fish need to live in their source. So the fish represent, when I said heavenly creatures, is that really, we all come from God. Really, we are all living in God. God is all around us. Question is, are we a conscience of it? Do we feel that way? Even when we acknowledge that we have a creator, this is the consciousness of land creatures. Yeah, we come from a creator, but now we are separated from them. Creatures of the sea, they live in their source. They know that if you take them away from their source, they have no life. Alma Discasia, a much, a much greater being. They are almost opposites. One is very earthly, one is very heavenly, one is very spiritual. The bird is when they both come together, as it says in the Gemara, that when God created, let's go back to the fish, the bodies of the fish and the spirit of the fish came from the water. 
When God created the animals, the bodies, the physical bodies of all of the land creatures and the nefesh of all of the land creatures came from the earth. The bird is a composite. The body of the bird comes from the land. The soul, the nefesh of the bird comes from the water. And that's why even uh, the Goyim who followed the soul Shtus of Darwin, that there was uh, the type of ev- the evolution comes from the Torah. But uh, the, the da- Darwin's evolution is, it doesn't come from the Torah. He stole a little bit and then he made up his own Narashkaitin so that the creatures of the sea then became the birds. That's the way they think it happened, which is of course not the truth because there is a correlation between the birds and the fish. And the fins, and the way the fins, the way the fish move in the water, and the way the birds fly in the heaven, all of that is according to the to the emes, is because the nefesh of a bird is the nefesh of the fish. In other words, a bird is not the fire in the water. It's not the fire in the water that uh, are sharing space, and they're, they are even near each other, and they're complementing each other, but they're keeping proper boundaries, which is why they're not intruding on one another. No, but this, this is, there's, there's a togetherness. There's a togetherness between Alma Disgali and Alma Disgassio. And it becomes one new creature, becomes one new being. And this togetherness is represented by a bird, by a creature that flies. Merger. And then the river with all of the Be'udim that we have in Hasidus, that we just had in the Gemara, about the Koyach, the Koyach of water. The Koyach of water is that one of the big differences between the earth and the water is that even when you look at the earth, you look down at the earth, and everything is one chunk of earth, but really, even to the naked eye, if you were to look, you would see different granules of uh, earth. When you take all the moisture out, what, what do you have? You have the sand by the beach. Sand, yeah, it looks like one big, beautiful sand dome, but if you pick it up in your hand, you will see how each one is separated from the other. They're, they're together, they're together, but they're not one. Water is different. Water, when you, when you put one drop and another drop, you don't have two drops living together. It becomes one larger drop. It's, there's a oneness. And with all of the other concepts that Hasidus connects to a river, not a lake, a river. A river is something that's coming out of a spring. So it has in it the advantage of it knowing where it's coming from. It be, it, it's being connected to its source. It has the other advantage that a river is on a mission. The river is not a little body of water that's staying near its source, which is again, what you know, stay in the heavens, go to Ganeda. No, no, no. The river is on one hand connected to its source, and on the other hand, it's fulfilling the will of its source, and that is that it's bringing its it's bringing the source out there, out into the dry world. It's flowing everywhere. And this is this is this is the the ultimate oneness which is connected to the level of 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 nefesh oilam shon of a nefesh, one of the Hasidic insights in how why these three items they symbolize peace. And and on top of that, the Gemara is going to bring psukim for each one. Well, let me just say the next piece by heart without reading a lot inside. And then the Gemara says like this that each one of these three, you will look in Tanakh you will find sometimes these items being in a verse that's connected to something peaceful, something positive, and other times in a Pasuk, these items are connected to something negative. Which, by the way, makes a lot of sense. Because peace is the most sought-after attribute, but what are you using the peace for? So if two people get together and they're very evil people and they make a peace amongst them, in order to, God forbid, do bad, you know, Peace is like a raw material. It doesn't always mean good. 
The people, the Doir Haflaga, they were peaceful. They lived in harmony, but they were waging a war against God. So they were not using their peace. They were, they were, this is Mamish taking God's name in vain. One of the names of God is peace. So using peace to fight against God is like sacrilegious. So you have in the Torah all of these three items connected to something negative. So the Gemara is going to say something amazing, which is, and now we have to be learned for this, is that if a person does have a dream with any one of these three symbols and many more to come, it's important not just to say, wow, I had a good dream, or I know, wow, I, in my dream I saw a river, wow, that means that I'm, 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 I'm in the world of Shalom. Shalom is easy to me, or it's accessible to me. Now is the time to make an effort to have more Shalom in my home, to have more Shalom with whatever I need to have Shalom with, to have more Shalom within myself. No, say the verse, say the words of the Pasik that associates any one of these three with a positive piece and not a negative one. In other words, I think we spoke about this last week or two weeks ago, that on one hand, the Gemara says that one is not allowed to use psukim in the Torah for healing. You're degrading the Torah. So when people were into incantations, and I know that this is coming back now, it's in the style now, today they call this affirmations. My friends, affirmations is incantations. The same exact thing. One, generally, should, if there is an illness, don't use as an incantation a Pasuk in the Torah. Because there is already something that's not good here, and you want to remove it by using the Torah was not given for it to be used as a medicinal tool. But to prevent something negative of happening, then we could say Pesukim. Like before we go to sleep, we say the Shema. One of the reasons why we say the Shema before we go to sleep is to make sure that any negative thing that might come to the person while they are sleeping should not come to them. So it's like a preventative measure. Prevention of something negative. For that we are allowed to use Psukim and we are allowed to use the Torah. And coming back over here, we are meant to use verses in the Torah to concretize any image that you had in your dream that it should manifest in a good way. We already had this a few weeks ago, but particularly when there is an image that the Torah in one verse connects it to something positive, it's, it's in a positive context. In another verse, it's in a negative context. We should quote the Pasik that puts it in its right context. And Bachlal, how great is that? I mean, we, we should understand that what is most needed is putting things in context. Most people already know. Truth is, all people already know. The only question is, how, how open are they to, to, their inner, to their inner neshama? But we know already. We don't know, clear, but we know. Which is why when you hear something that is not correct, you will know, no, 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 this is nisht. And, and the opposite, when you hear something, even if you only heard these words for the first times, that's life, it resonates. You were sold on it, not because the person sold it to you. No, no one sold anything to you. Because you knew that already. Now you have better words. Now you're seeing it from a different angle. So if we already know, one can perhaps say what we need, the, what we need let's say, at tzaddik for, the most is not to teach us more info. It's to put things in context. Chaos is when things are out of context. And say that order, order is our whole avoida during Golos. What Adam and Chava caused was chaos. God made a world in a seder. 
and, and they broke that order. And people are living in chaos, and people want to have a seder. And it's not so simple to have a seder, because perhaps what for me is a seder, for you is not, for you it's too restrictive. V'chule, v'chule. But any image, when you when that, the river, when there is a river quoted about in a pasik, the Torah is the koyach that put things in the right context. Or if you want to bring in your life a, a healthy peace for the good, then use the Torah to put peace in that context. Because like we mentioned, people can have peace. And wow, they have peace. Well, if God forbid the context of that life is not in the direction that God wants it to be, then peace becomes to their detriment. Peace is not good. So you have a dream, and yeah, there is a tremendous association with Shalom to the, to the river and to the bird and to the cattle. Quote the Torah to put it in a positive context. And that's a very big takeaway. So that's not only for dreams. It's the acknowledgement that we can already have it all. But if it's not in the right context, it's disorder. It's chaos. And chaos is madness. And that's the source of all illness. And the Torah, that's the Torah. The Torah puts things in the right context. That's a tzaddik. A tzaddik knows how to apply the Torah. Parenthetically, so many, how, how common is it that we read all of the stories of tzaddikim and those who are not yet chassidim don't appreciate this yet. But you know, when, when, when a non-chassid goes to a great person and they're great people, what they are going to is to hear Torah. That's it. They want to hear a psachidish. They want to hear something new that they never heard before. Generally, by tzaddikim, it wasn't that way. You're not going to hear something new. You're going because you know that you need to be reordered. That tzaddik has to put you in the right context. For that, you go to what tzaddik. And that has very little to do with what the tzaddik is going, what, what type of Torah the tzaddik is going to teach you. He might teach you one pasik, but that did it. Many times it has to do with physically seeing the face of a tzaddik. And our coming back over here, quoting one verse of the Torah, in which what you saw is in a positive context, that will concretize the image that you saw in the context that it needs to be in. Any questions? You said something, I'm trying to put it, the thought together. I do have a question, but give me a minute. Okay. That's good. Any other questions? Okay. 